Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris. I'm joined by Matt, and this is Season 1, Episode 8, Polvo. Someone actually requested a band, and now we're doing them. Mm-hmm. It's not the first Different. time, don't forget, we had Mogwai. Yeah, yeah, but that was great, and I really, I, I hoped that this would have been, like, the pattern every time. Yeah, that's the plan. Because... Because we're choosing bands and searching far and wide for a super fan. Um, but then if someone comes to us and says, hey, I'm a super fan of band X, it's like, oh, the job's already done. Yeah, and, yeah. and I've never heard of Polvo. The band, When we're picking a band, we're tending to pick something that at least one of us has got an interest in. Uh, whereas I think here, neither of us knew Polvo, right? I never heard of Polvo. Not at all. To be honest, when I Googled them at first, I was like... This isn't really my sort of thing. I'm not really gonna find this an interesting research project, and it's actually been a lot more enjoyable than I thought. Oh, you're giving it all away already. <laughs> <laughs> so, other than other than googling Polvo, yeah, what's been taking up your time? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, there's a big news story in my life. Bad news or good news, depending on whoever's listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm. I'm going to be playing music on a cruise ship for six months. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, but it's it's, it's going to be such a huge change. And obviously, I'm not going to be doing this show for a while. Mm. Um, but I'll definitely be back. So I've been listening to a lot of the stuff I'll be playing on the ship. Lots of classic '60s, '70s music. All right. Um, which you know has its ups and downs. You know, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm just trying to see it as work now. Yeah. So that's that. But apart from that, I'm trying to find other things as well. So what I found is, have you heard of the band uh, Cocteau Twins? Yeah, I have heard of Cocteau Twins, yeah. Yeah. A Scottish yeah. two-piece, aren't they? Do you kind of... Uh, no, they're not. Oh. They're actually, they're actually a three-piece. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's the thing. Like, because they're called the Twins, I thought, oh, is they're, they're, they're one of those <laughs> duos. <laughs> have I just made the assumption? Yeah, it's easily done. I mean, they, they should have called themselves the Cocteau Triplets. Um, maybe it's not as marketable, but I thought I'd check these guys out because when doing the Bjork research, some people were comparing Bjork's Sugar Cubes performances to the Cocteau Twins music. All right. So my memory of the Cocteau Twins, and maybe it's been a long time or I haven't probably listened to them, but I I didn't think they're that as, uh, I mean, Sugar Cubes aren't aggressive, but you know what I mean? I I didn't think they were that noisy. I thought they were much more, much more ambient. Are they not, or have I completely thinking of a different yeah, band? Yeah, no, you're right. They're, they're much more ambient. What people were comparing was the the voices, right? The way that Björk can make these strange, otherworldly sounds <laughs> out of her mm. mouth, and she doesn't even have to say words. She just makes noises, and it's yeah. like if it affects you emotionally. People are like, oh yeah, it's a bit like the Cocteau Twins. Okay, so I checked them out, and what they do is they they sing basically gibberish. Like, it's not... I, I don't think it's real lyrics. Well, a lot of their songs don't have real lyrics. It's It sounds almost like you're from another planet and you're listening to someone sing, but you don't understand the words. <laughs> if, you, if you look up their lyrics, different websites have different things because people can't quite figure out what they're singing. It's really strange. I like it. Um, but it's all about mood how it makes you feel and i like that i like it's very bold there's an australian so, singer called dea dover who i mm. had a record from years and years ago but she was similar in that i think either she was pronouncing things very strangely 
or she was not singing words a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> just for a laugh, Google Cocteau Twins lyrics, and it's just it's just like absolute nonsense, yeah. <laughs> the things people put. Uh, but it's really enjoyable music, so I'm going to keep listening to that. Cool. Uh, also, also, I was flicking through the TV a couple of nights ago. I found a documentary about Frank Zappa and his recording of the Apostrophe album. And... You know, every now and again, I go through a Frank Zappa binge because mm-hmm. he's an absolute crazy genius. Yeah. And the documentary, it just got me so excited about him again. Uh, you know, everyone has so much fun in the studio and he's got these crazy percussionists, these these amazing people playing glockenspiels. It's like, it's it, you know, it's unbelievable the sort of lines that he writes. And everyone's having fun. Everyone's laughing. So I've been listening to the Apostrophe album quite intently. And just just in awe of of his arrangements and and absolute you know absurdity of what he's singing about. Yeah, I think <clears throat> Frank Zappa is one of those artists that I know inevitably at some point in my life I'm going to go through a phase and I'm going to do a, a deep dive into him. But for some reason I've never I've never got deeply into Frank Zappa. Growing up, a couple of my couple of my friends were heavily into Frank Zappa. I was a couple of years younger than them, and maybe. A, uh, it didn't click, and I've just never revisited him. But you know, I know his, I know his influence, and I know. Yeah, yeah, you, you know who he is exactly. Um, and there's there's songs about you know, don't eat yellow snow, and then the Eskimos start, or the Inuits start shoving uh, yellow snow into each other's faces, and they're going, ah, no, I'm blind. That's literally the lyrics, <laughs> but it all makes sense in a weird way. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? What have you been listening to? I mean, I went on. Uh, quite a rant in the last episode didn't I I talked for like 25 <laughs> minutes about my <laughs> about my journey to to find the, the scariest album out there yeah that was um, exciting though I like exciting. that I'll try to keep it a bit more succinct this time some of the highlights of the last two weeks uh well uh, just today I discovered an album by Deaf Heaven called Infinite Granite now I didn't know who Deaf Heaven were the album was just recommended on Spotify and so I checked it out and it's it's a brilliant album. So Deaf Heaven are, I think they're a black metal band, mm. but for some reason they transitioned this year and released uh, what is essentially a shoegaze album. Uh-huh. And it's a really good album as well. It's like a really good shoegaze album. So I think their previous records, and I, and I haven't listened to their back catalogue. I, I chucked on one of their, I chucked on their 2019 album. I can't remember what it's called. And listen to the first couple of uh, tracks just to kind of get a feel for what their previous stuff was. Because I was reading a lot of stuff online saying, mm. um, yeah, well, saying they're a black metal band. And, and I was listening to this Infinite Granite and thinking, I can't imagine how these guys were making black metal because they're yeah, such a good shoegaze band. Mm. Uh, and that's so different. But their sound, so listening to their 2019 record, just for a couple of tracks, they definitely had some shoegaze post-rock influences back then even but they had mm. you know very dark screamy vocals over the top but you can tell with the music they still had that that influence and they've just with this uh, 2021 release infinite granite the vocalist george clark he's just uh i mean he's singing now he's not screaming and so uh, and also they've kind of changed their um 
um change the sound of the music a bit but i've I've really only listened to this 2021 album this infinite granite but it's it's so good the guitar tone is is beautiful i really love the guitar tone it's really reminiscent of a lot of bands that i love from you know the more melodic shoegaze from sort of mid 90s they they're an american band and this album is 2021 they sound like a british band from 95 96 they sound a lot like catherine wheel actually which is a great compliment from me because Chrome by Catherine Wheel for me is one of the one of the best melodic shoegaze albums. Yeah, it's it's really really good. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. The drumming reminds me a lot. The drumming is is brilliant for a start on on this Infinite Granite, and it reminds me so much of uh, Ravi Kesavaram from My Vitriol, and he and he's a mm. phenomenal drummer. He really is a phenomenal drummer. So underrated. And uh, the drumming on this record, I, I must listen to their other stuff. I, I've, I've got to go back and listen to their back catalogue. So yeah, that's that's Deaf Heaven, Infinite Granite. Yeah. Cool. That's a good that's a good name for an album. Infinite Granite. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those uh, combinations of words that on paper looks like it should rhyme, but it doesn't when you say it out loud. That's true, actually. Yeah. Other stuff I've been listening to. Well, one band that I discovered through this through this episode was Queen Sarah Saturday, who were a North Carolina band, um, I guess from Chapel Hill, because actually I, I, I first saw them on, you sent me a, a little short document, or not documentary, it's like a, a news piece news. about yeah, yeah. Uh, the Chapel Hill scene. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I saw this band on there, Queen Sarah Saturday, and I thought that's a really cool name for a band. <laughs> so I, I checked them out. They only had one album, I think. I can only find online that they have released one album called weave but it's on spotify that album and uh i really like it i mean they sound like well they sound like they should be a seattle band actually that this album oh, okay. came out 93 i think or 94 and it's not dissimilar to any of the any of the grunge that was coming out at that time really i mean it's it's a slightly more poppy appeal than than some of the grunge around that time but you know some of the bands that had slightly cleaner tones um I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm comparing them to absolute legends, but uh, they're not totally dissimilar to Mother Love Bone in mm. in the in in that sound of grunge. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's much cleaner and um, it's got pop appeal to it. But yeah, only one one album, and it's not it's not the best production. So I feel that perhaps if they'd released three or four albums, then third album yeah. would have been phenomenal. Mm, you can hear the potential. Yeah, I like that. I like that one very much. What else? And and oh, another one that I'd like to call out is an album by a British producer. I was going to say hip hop producer, but actually he's pretty. He's got a pretty eclectic sound. Swindle and his record is called A New World or The New World, sorry. And it's really good. It's got jazz, soul, grime, hip hop on it. It's a it's a real cross section of British urban music at the moment. It's a mm. it's a really great record. Um, there's some great features on there. A lot of the tracks have got real catchy hooks, but the, I mean, the, the production on it is just great. His beats are really great and, and really inspired. He pulls in all sorts of sounds and influences. Like I said, you know, lo- lots of jazz and soul influences on there. The, the opening track is a tune called Sunday Best, Joel Culpepper on it. And that's, yep, it's a, it's a brilliant opening track, real catchy hook that, you, that you'll be, that you'll be singing the rest of the day. There's a tune on there called Darkest Hour with really awesome vocals on it by a girl called Poppy Judah, who I'd not heard of, but I'll, I'll definitely mm. check her out because it's really beautiful vocals on that tune. Um, yeah, lots of good tunes, lots of good tunes on that record. And and also, interestingly, uh, he's released a 
um, a short movie with it as well. <laughs> like, mm. oh, what was the one that uh, we did? Sturgill Simpson, uh, Sound oh, yeah. and Fury. S- similar kind okay. of thing. So he's released a, a short movie that goes alongside the album. I've not watched it. I think it's on YouTube. But Yeah, it's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. A few a few bands have done that. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think I said in the Year of Mix episode, they did one for one of their albums, like an, uh, a video album. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And that one other, actually, not one that I've really listened to that much, but I, I made a note of it because I wanted to recommend it to you. Mm. So I discovered this band called Cryptid Mythos. Oh, I like it. Yeah, and I and I think the album that's just come out is their debut. Yeah, it's. I don't think it is. So they've only got one album out. It's called Monster. Just came out a couple of weeks ago, and they're an American death metal band. But actually... Uh, I think just calling them a death metal band is um, doesn't really do them justice because, in fairness, they've got a lot of variety in their songs. They've got some really cool samples and a lot of variety in the vocal approach. But this album, Monster, and I'm guessing the whole theme around Cryptid, Cryptid Mythos, I guess we'll find out with future releases, is that all the songs on Monster are about different cryptids. <laughs> oh, I'm just looking it up. Yeah. So there's a song about Sasquatch. There's a song about Chupacabra. There's a oh song about goodness. the Jersey Devil. <laughs> uh, I, I have to check this out. This is yeah. so my thing. Yeah, you'll like it. And 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 also, it's genuinely really good. Like, it, even yeah. if you forget the subject matter, it's actually really good music. Yeah, but even if it even if it wasn't good music, I just I'd still check it out. Yeah. Just because I love I love all that kind of uh, cryptozoology stuff. Yeah, I thought you'd like. That's that. awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah and that's about it from uh that's about it from me on a catch-up yeah honestly i've been so busy with listening to all this stuff i need to practice my listening hasn't been very much besides polvo so yeah well just yeah. For, for the listener so this will be for this season this will be your last episode we've got two mm-hmm. more two more episodes to come out so you know we'll introduce the band for the next episode at the end of this as we normally do so you'll have to wait and see what what happens with those last two episodes of the season, and then for season two, Matt will be back and um, and we'll continue going strong. So the weekly reviews have now moved over to superfancast.blogspot.com. Uh, you can check out all the past reviews there, um, and there will be at least one one review every week for uh, a new release, and potentially in the in the off season, in between the in between the two seasons, uh, we might throw out a few more to keep people sweet. And also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with with all the facts and trivia and interesting stuff that we're throwing out including you sending strange questions to liam gallagher did you see that because yeah <laughs> i was like oh my gosh so liam gallagher like i don't know why he appeared up on my twitter feed right but he he was he, he posted some some crap and then it seemed like people were just asking him random questions and if mm. you look at the uh, if you look at the replies to to this tweet he made he was mm. answering pretty much everyone's yeah. question he was just uh, i mean he must have done he must have spent all morning like respect to him you know absolute respect cool. to him. people were asking him just random things and he was replying like to everything so i thought let's get his view on polvo so i sent him a message yeah. saying what are your thoughts on polvo and the chapel hill music scene of the early 90s but he didn't uh he didn't respond to that one unfortunately rude he was responding to crap like uh what was the last song you listened to i mean oh come on my my question yeah. was uh, anyway I'm sure he's got loads of opinions about Polvo. 
<laughs> do you think it was a waste of a question? I don't know, really. I, I mean, I've, I would have thought every question would have been a waste of a question. But if oh, you're really? saying people are, if saying he's responding to things, then maybe not. Maybe, maybe yeah. he'll surprise us. Or maybe he'll just like swear and shout at you and get really arsy. But do that's you think so he's pretty... still got that kind of energy? Oh, definitely. Yeah, but he's ne- it's never gone. But that'd be pretty cool if he does do that. Like, that's quite an honour. Yeah, I really liked that. I, you know, I saw he was replying to just random people's messages, like a, a couple of words for each one. But, you know, he was clearly going through every single one and making sure that, that he, he got a reply in. Obviously not to mine. Maybe I was too late to the game. Maybe he, maybe he got bored and, and went for breakfast or something. But, well, but we've, had, we'll we've had some recognition from, from some important people. I mean, we're followed by Slay Dougie on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was so excited when that happened. Yeah. Oh, my and, days. And I mean, the highlight of my month was when uh, Lingua Ignota liked one of our tweets. Mm. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's really then, cool. And then we did uh, we did a review this week for Kunetic, uh, that uh, Japanese tribal band. Uh, yes. And they they yes. liked one of our tweets, and that, that made oh, me nice. very happy because I, it was a great review. Actually, uh, it's such a good album. That um, if you haven't read the review, head over to to Blogspot and, and read the review because yeah, I want to make sure people people check that record out. It's a really good record. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to sound really geeky, but uh, I checked them out, and they're a bit like you know, do you know the, the old Godzilla movies? Yeah, yeah. Like um, Mothra had these weird little, I think they were like fairies or spirits or something that um, could talk to Mothra, and, <laughs> and that's why that's what they remind me of. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're going to um, summon some big kaiju, wipe us all out. Yeah, I think that. And I hope this comes across in in the review that I did. That actually, they're I mean, they've got this big backstory, and uh, they're a conceptual band. I I think they're more traditional than they think they are, mm-hmm. um, and they're a great gateway for people that want to get more into world music. But you know, there's there's enough of a Western influence on there that it doesn't scare people off. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And it's it's cool to to put a, a sci-fi story to it as well. Definitely, yeah. yeah. That's really cool. If you go to their Bandcamp page, then actually each of the tracks on their album has got a little uh, description about it as to what it is. So you've got you know one track that's uh, uh, worship for the Empress, and there's another track <laughs> that's a, that's a harvest song for the people of Corandia, and another track that is you know, whatever you know. It's all it's all based around the culture on this make believe planet Corandia. You you can almost um... I don't know, you can almost sense there's some kind of Heaven's Gate stuff behind it, can't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope not, but you know. Good luck to him. Good luck to him. Yes. Alright, so should we should we get stuck into some polvo? Let's do this. <laughs> polvo formed in nineteen ninety in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They were made up of Ash Bowie and Dave Brylorski on guitars and vocals. Steve Popson on bass and Eddie Watkins on drums. They signed with local label Merge and released their debut record Core Crane Secret in 1992. After a follow-up in 93, the band moved to Chicago label Touch and Go for their third studio album, Exploded Drawing. After some struggles and tense relationships, the band released a fourth studio record in 97 and then split. Each member pursued their own projects or joined other bands until 2009, when they reformed to release In Prism. Four years later came a sixth studio album with no accompanying score, and the band have since parted ways indefinitely. And that is Polvo. Mm. 
I think maybe I, did I rush through that? That seemed like a really quick, <laughs> really quick bio. Well, I mean, I guess um, I don't know. I mean, there's not much more you can say, really. I mean, that is their bio. That's their bio. Uh, the, the Magic I mean, I mean, Six Six albums. Yeah, I mean, they, they have done a lot of side projects, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, but you know, that is that is them, isn't it? Yeah, and we don't. I mean, I can ask you what's your history with them, but I think we've kind of already touched upon that. <laughs> My history of them. Um, I had not heard of them until uh, Christian messaged me and said, "Hey, you guys, would you be interested in doing an episode of Polvo?" And I'm like, "Why not?" Because I haven't mm-hmm. heard of them before. And that already gets me interested because I like hearing new things. Mm. I checked them out and yeah, a bit weird. And then just really sitting down and paying attention. It was like, yeah, I can really dig this band. I can understand the hype, you know? I mean, they seem to have a very cult following and people who know about them are very passionate about them. You know, the last week or so I've been trying to look them up, trying to find as much as I can about them. There isn't information because they, they seem very private or maybe not private, more down to earth. They just want to make music. They're not really bothered about causing drama. You know, it's not like there's Richard Ashcroft's or, you know, big characters in this band. They're just, I'm sure they're big characters, but you know what I mean? They're just, they're just yeah, doing definitely. the music and they're having fun with it. It's, I guess my history has only been about a week with them and uh, I like what I've heard. Yeah, what, what about yourself? Well, I yeah, guess the I, same, really. Yeah, i definitely not heard of them at all. But certainly listening to the first two records, uh, I'm quite surprised I hadn't come across them because there's a lot of sounds there that, you know, it's not an unfamiliar genre, especially the early works. Um, and mm. I think Spotify has failed me a little bit by not suggesting them because I'm definitely listening to a lot of music that yeah, falls into that same category. So I'm surprised that I hadn't, you know, I hadn't even seen their name before. What genre are you talking about? Are you talking about math rock? Or... Well, no, I'm not talking about math rock, but maybe that's something we'll get into. Um, I, I think that I'm talking more sort of the introspective guitar play is, is probably how I'd, mm. I'd look at it. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, and every listener knows that, that I'm a big fan of shoegaze. That's kind of a, a genre what? that I... <laughs> yeah. the genre that i most uh relate to and uh, you know that's that's where i yeah that's kind of where i i lean towards whenever i'm on uncertain ground i'll go listen to some shoegaze you start and, staring at your shoes yeah but but that's that's the kind of that's what i'm talking about a little bit i know, I know that ash you know, like he uses his guitar um and, mm. and maybe brylorski as well maybe i'm giving too much credit to, to ash here but um, they definitely use their guitars in, in in a unique way. But what you get, but what you get as a result of that, is you get uh, a lot of weird guitar sounds. Um, yes. Yeah. Very intricate intricate guitar play and yeah, a lot of depth with the, with the guitar and 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 often going off on journeys that really draw out the draw out the songs. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's all stuff that that is not uncommon to me in some of the other bands from even from that era that I listened to. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that's kind of what I mean. But but not the math rock aspect. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't know if that that math rock aspect pulls through too strong in all their music. I mean, certainly not in in the. Oh, maybe I'm getting too deep into it before we even get to the get to the quiz. But maybe not in their later stuff. I mean, in in their later stuff, they definitely became far more traditionally structured in a lot of their songs. Not all of it, but in yeah. in, in a lot of it. Um, yeah. But even in the early stuff, I think that it's easy to not... I, I mean, some songs, it's very obvious. 
Uh, some songs, there's some, some some very complex signatures, but there are also tracks on those first couple of albums where I wouldn't necessarily, I, I wouldn't call that math rock. I, I, it's got a progressive sound to it, um, progressive post-rock at times. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really familiar with the term math rock particularly like uh, i i'd heard of it before but i i guess i thought before that it was it was a bit like you know like dream theater or very sort of robotic very intricate but very um slick everything planned like to the absolute detail and though these guys aren't well they're not like that i mean they, they admit that they do a lot of improvisation but they also do a lot of interesting, intricate arrangements. Um, but it's it's not slick in the kind of dream theatre sense of very clean sound. You know, the, as you say, there's all this all this fuzz and distortion and crazy pedal work that they're doing. Uh, so maybe that is that is part of the math rock thing. But they they also say that they don't like the term math rock. They don't use yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I mean, la- labels and genres are kind of, they're, they're just a way of, of making it easier to talk about things, aren't they? But they, they sure. don't have to be applied all the time. You know, if, if you think it's, if you think it's just alternate post rock, then that's what it is. You know, it's, 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 it's a bit of a weird, weird thing. Um, but I, I kept seeing the, the phrase math rock everywhere I read and yeah, like these guys like invented math rock. Well, I think like, that's really, why I, we, I think that's why you see it so much because I think perhaps at that time, and I'm not claiming to know anything about the history of math rock, but you know, from looking at Polvo, I'm mm. I'm starting to understand that around that time, that genre didn't really exist. There wasn't a lot of music out there yeah. that was doing some of the things that they were doing, and there are definitely some tracks where I mean, especially where I've seen them play live, where I've mm. thought you know when when they're playing sort of like an offbeat riff, and when the drums come in. And it takes you a few bars to, for your ears to adjust that, you know, the drumming is yeah, slightly, slightly off from, from the riffing. Um, uh, do you know what I mean? Yes. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well. Like, no, I, um, I do know. I do know what you mean. times like that, um, you, you think, okay, well, that's, that's the math rock aspect there. That's not what traditionally should be happening. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's, it's like polyrhythms, isn't it? So at some points they're playing different time signatures. Yeah. And that's, that's a very progressive thing. And it's very, very clever the way they yeah. do it. Oh, it is. Yeah. All right. Let's end it there and let's 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 get into some questioning. I say this every single time, but I'm really not confident in this. You know, like I say that with the other bands because there's so much information, whereas this time it's because there's so little information. You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, that could and that could work in your favour. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Okay, I will ask five questions to help us discover a bit more about the band. We're then going to be asking those five questions to a self-proclaimed superfan to find out if he is a fan or a fraud. And today's superfan is Christian from Kansas, who we're going to meet a little bit later. Yay! Matt's going to get one point per correct answer. If you get five points, Matt, you're going to be a superfan of Polvo, whether you like it or not. No. And if you get zero points, well, there's no point even talking about it. You're never going to get zero points, are you? So yeah, I'm gonna go into hiding. <laughs> if you get zero points, you're going to hiding. Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Okay, question one: Who did Polvo support in their 1995 washing machine tour? Ooh, um, 
This, well, I know that they played with Sonic Youth several times, so I'm going to say Sonic Youth. It is indeed Sonic Youth. Yes. 100% correct. Oh, yes. Okay. Well done, mate. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, the Washing Machine tour from Sonic Youth. It was the release of their Washing Machine album that came out in 1995. <laughs> um, I think Sonic Youth were already pretty big at that time. Yes. So Polvo did pretty well to to get on the, get on the bill with them. And Sonic Youth is big in the Polvo world because... Everyone uh, compares them to Sonic Youth. God, it's really boring. I mean, I mean, oh, I'm glad it's really you said quite, that. I felt the same. It's re- it's really frustrating. Like every single article is like, these guys are a bit like Sonic Youth. Like, Definitely. come on. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's such yeah. lazy reviewing, wasn't it? They are well, they are a bit, but not massively. Yeah, and it's it's like you know maybe because they're around at the same time. It's, it is lazy. It is really annoying. I got really tired of it. Yeah. It's so, like, I can't, yeah, we can't overstress how many critic reviews from around that time when, you know, those those first couple of records came out. I mean, even the later albums, to be fair, people were mm. still comparing them to Sonic Youth constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. Uh. Um, there's so many other bands that you can you can choose to to, to pick out influences there, but yeah, Polvo did really well to they got on the bill with quite a few decent bands actually. It wasn't just Sonic Youth; they they mm. actually toured with quite a few good bands. Yeah, I think I think they did quite well because Merge Merge was a, a local Chapel Hill label. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how big Merge were. Do you, do you have any kind of gauge of how big they were? I don't know how big they were, but I think that a lot of their bands were similar to Polvo in that they were very underground. Um, they, they had very cult followings, you know, mm. people that were absolutely passionate about these bands. There's lots of videos of a festival called XX Merge. Okay. On it's on YouTube. So it's basically the 20th anniversary of Merge Records. It was a music festival in 2009. There's so many, so many bands. So I don't know what these bands sound like. Well, most of them. I listen to some of them, but um, American Music Club, Magnetic Fields, Super Chunk, Pipe, Lamb Chop, The 3Ds, and West Telekinesis, Super Chunk. They are mentioned a lot because a couple of their members actually founded merge records yeah um mac mccowan and laura balance there's a lot of reviews of the double x merge festival and they're they're really interesting to read you know they, they talk about these artists as if they're like legendary stars i don't know who these people are but it's like yeah. it's 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 magical moments on stage and everyone's like wow you know it's it's like they'll they'll never forget these moments like wow, you know this. This is. I think this is also linked in with the whole um, Chapel Hill scene as well. You know, yeah. which was which is very significant for a lot of indie bands. Yeah. So the Chapel Hill scene is just one of those things that kind of like a, a town in North Carolina where suddenly it just seemed like at a particular point in time there was a lot of creativity and a lot of a lot of cool mm. alternative bands. Um, so I mentioned earlier that that you sent me a a news article yeah. from sometime in the nineties where they were looking yeah. at Chapel Hill, interviewing a whole bunch of like loads of people in Chapel Hill talking about the music scene yeah. there, and there were just so many bands ar- around that time. And what's funny is, unlike so if we look at like Seattle grunge, for example, 
Okay, yeah. so grunge is a pretty broad term, but there were there were similarities, right, uh, for, for mm-hmm. a lot of the bands that came out of that scene around that time. But actually, if you listen to a lot of those Chapel Hill bands, there's such a broad variety of music there. So it's not like mm. they were... It's not like it was all, you know, one one genre that that, that they were all playing off. There, there was, was just a, Chapel a lot Hill of sound. Exactly, yeah. There was yeah. just a lot of a lot of creativity, a lot of bands. Yeah, yeah. On that that news story, it really makes me laugh just because it's really cheesy, like proper local news. It is. Um, yeah. Like like the guy saying he's like the music here is as varied as the stores are on Franklin Street. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, he, he walks know. off. He walks off screen when he says that. Did you notice? Yeah, that? <laughs> yeah like, I don't know what Franklin Street is. Like, and 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 they they talk to about hundred people on it, and each one each person gives about two words. <laughs> it's like they, cutting yeah, constantly to them. Everyone gives yeah one or two words and then they and then they cut immediately. Like, so you have, like, really yeah, have to really pause good. it to see who they are. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, over here. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and and they say things like this is a quote from them. Like there isn't much pressure to succeed here. People just want to have a good time. There seems to be a high density of people enjoying extended adolescence. I.e. Right. The, the, the slacker, the slacker concept. Life. <laughs> yeah, slacker concept. <laughs> So, you know, that's maybe that's where it comes from. Everyone's just like high and just chilling out and just playing on their guitars. And, Don't forget the cheap hey, rent. Sounds, yeah, they, they say, oh, it's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap, it's cheap. Yeah. The, the oh, newsreader says uh, some of them put it down to the cheap rent and then they have yeah. a, a string of people <laughs> yeah. for different bands just, go, the rent's cheap, the rent's cheap, yeah. the rent's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's really, really funny. It's almost like something out of like... Um, like Alan Partridge, you know. It is, yeah. So that's um, the Chapel Hill music scene. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say was um, just back to the them supporting Sonic Youth. So I think Sonic Youth were were, were already pretty big at that time, and it's. Mm. It, I was trying to gauge how big Polvo were, and it's really hard to get an, really a, an understanding of how big they were because they definitely had like a retrospective cultural importance in music, and I think mm. a lot of a lot of people look back on that time and and probably love Polvo more now than they ever did mm. at the time. I think it's one yeah. of those um, sort of retrospective effects. And yeah, so, I mean, they've got a massive following online now, but that's not always an indication of what it was at the time. And I can't see that those first two albums charted anywhere. I might be wrong. Mm. I didn't. I can't find any sales information on it. Um, it's it's kind of hard yeah. to know. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's because they're proper indie, you know, proper independent music. Yeah. <laughs> that's the spirit of indie. <laughs> I'm sounding really old now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what indie mean, music's yeah. meant to be. Like, yeah, just yeah. cut off from, from the, the monster that is the music business. Maybe you'll just never know. It's, yeah. it's just about word of mouth and people sharing their experiences with each other. Yeah, quite possibly. I've seen some shows from this period. I don't know if they're shows where they were supporting Sonic Youth, but I've I've, I've seen some shows from '95, and they are very comfortable on stage. I think that um, Ash Bowie and and Dave Brylowski, they're people who were born to play guitar. Really, just just to be behind their guitars, they're very yeah. comfortable with the guitar. Not so comfortable in front of the camera. No, you know, quite nervous and naive in well, front of the camera. Especially Bowie. I mean, I yeah. think um, Dave. He kind of grows over time with the camera. Like with his his uh, later side projects, he seems mm-hmm. very confident. Whereas Ashley's just like 
he's just this little twig in a massive suit, you know, yeah. <laughs> hiding behind a guitar. But I mean, I mean, yeah, they're both very, very talented. Um, I'm particularly into Bowie's guitar techniques and um, yeah. his his style and his use of tunings. I love I love what he's doing with those. It's, it's very, very clever. Yeah, yeah, he's got a very unique style, and the way, that, yeah, to put it on on simple terms, just the way that he uses the guitar is is just not not particularly traditional. He's got his own way of of, of using the instrument, like he's. Like no one's shown him, someone's just given it to him and gone. Mm. Figure out what you do with this, and he's has, and he's figured it out his way. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And I, I think with both of them, it's it's obvious that there's that world music influence. Yeah, so I think that Dave Brodowski had a, had a big interest in in the East, and after Polvo split, he he went and spent some time in India, and you can mm. even see in his in his other projects that he's he's been involved in since Polvo. He's yeah. clearly got a, a, a big influence from from the east. Yeah, um, yeah, massive. I saw in one interview, Ash had said that he was half Asian, but can't corroborate that or know what half. Because someone had asked him about the eastern influence in their music, and he said, even though I'm the half Asian one, Dave is the one that that you know mm. inputs a lot of that. But that's the only yeah. time I ever saw it mentioned. So I wonder if he had some you know some influence as a child, whether it was subconscious and he didn't really notice he was being influenced by it but maybe yeah if anybody knows that let us know that's mm. interesting yeah you, you know in the album shapes yes there's oh, yeah. there's i mean there's a lot of indian sounds it feels very psychedelic like oh what is it the flight the fighting kites very indian sounding there's all these drones and the guitar sounds like a sitar it's 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 very cool and now just it's... just on that can can I just interject mm. on on your sitar comment yes <laughs> uh so are we are we believing that he's never using a sitar you know what i don't actually know because i'm not sure about this some points it sounds exactly like a sitar and then Definitely. other points because cuz what i was going to say was um this track it merges straight into the next track called rock plus rock which has the same sounds, but then it becomes like blues, and then it just turns into hard rock. And you wonder if I wonder if that's just very clever editing, or or if they're using special pedals, or I don't. Or, but also the tuning. Mm. I think when you use special tuning, it does make the strings a lot more bendy, yeah, and yeah. you know it, it 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 does it does it does create that that sound. And also they've said that they. They do use cheap guitars, and that does help with that sound as well. Yeah, but, but I, I know it, that in a lot of interviews, the, not not interviews actually, I, I would say probably in a lot of conversation online, fan conversation, there's definitely a leaning towards Ash specifically can make his guitar sound like a sitar, and you know mm. that's. But but uh, I mean, it sounds a lot like a sitar. I'm not 100 percent convinced that they're not just using a sitar a lot of the time. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm, I'm going to get. Blasted I would, for that, but I would be open to the possibility that there is a sitar being used at some yeah. point, especially in in the Shapes album, I think. But also his album as Libraness, yeah, yeah, that's that's super Asian sounding, and I, I hate I hate using that phrase Asian sounding because Asia is like a humongous continent with a million different sounds in it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, more it's, Eastern, it's Eastern influence, Eastern Eastern sounds, yeah. Thank you for saving me from <laughs> controversy there. That's all right. I'm normally, normally the one that attracts that. Um, 
yeah it's just a shame that around this period there's not many good quality live recordings in fact i'd go as far as to say there's no good quality live recordings. no there's none no um, sound quality is poor pretty much everywhere across the board but but from what i can tell it does sound like that they do manage to translate that complex guitar playing to a live setting yeah definitely um, definitely and they're so tight sometimes because of what i was kind of alluding to before in the in the band bio how Ed Watkins manages to keep them all together when they're playing really complex yes. time signatures. Yes. It, yes. It must be unnatural for a drummer to play like that at times. I don't drum, so I don't know, but, but often he, it feels like he must have to be holding back from where you naturally feel there should be an, an on beat. Um, it's not just that. It's also the tempo changes. There's it's sure. Yeah. There's songs where it's, it's really, really fast and then it's gradually going slow and there's a slow yeah. part and it's, it's clearly not been cut and pasted. You know, they, they've performed that like yeah. that. And that, that's, that's probably harder than time signature changes, you know, cause you're still in a groove. If you're stuck, if you're stuck with a beat, the same beats per minute, if yeah. there's tempo changes, you, you, yeah, it's a bit disorientating, but that's, that's what they're, they're aiming for, I think. It's, yeah. it's disorientating you know they go this way and then they turn a corner and you take the listener down another way you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah totally all righty well good start 100 percent so far question two the music video for which song features balls of different colored string oh this this was um this was in their later stuff wasn't it yes i know the video it's 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 light something to do with light hang on it is light something, yeah. Light, light raking. It is light raking. Well done. Yes, I'm a daze. From Siberia. Yes, that was right. Yes, I remember that because all their other videos, well, most of them, just seem to be like done on these little handheld videos and yeah. involve them driving around in really old cars and standing in the forest. That's a great video. What's that for? The one where they're driving around in the old cars. Um, tragic uh, carpet ride. That's right. Yeah, that's that's a good one. We'll come to that. Let's just quickly do light raking. <laughs> yeah, but light raking is bonkers. Like the, this, it's like it's it like bonkers, a um, but but it's the most like uh like MTV friendly video, really. Yes, definitely. It's it's like a Michelle Gondry film, I think. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's obscure. It's like stop animation, and and the string is like wrapping around people, and. Yeah. It's very, it's very beautiful and well thought out. I think. But but the one for tragic carpet ride is really cool. It's it's so it's it doesn't look like it was made in the nineties for a start. It looks like it's seventies, no. like a seventies video. <laughs> um, even the quality of the recording. Yeah, um, it does. It does suit the song, though. I think. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But oh oh, I just remembered in that video, Bowie is carrying a sitar. Oh, yes, you might be right, yeah. He gets a sitar and he gets into the car. He puts the sitar on the back seat. Oh, there we go. We've just blown Ooh. it out of the water. Oh. So you, so, that, so they're trying to tell me he owns a sitar, but he never uses it. I don't know. Maybe that's just like a little hint. Like, look, this is what I can do. But I'm not going to show you me playing it because I'm too humble. But I can play it. Is there... So I'm going to have to go back and listen to Tragic Carpet Ride now. Is there some sitar sounds in Tragic Carpet Ride? You know, I, I can't quite remember... Okay, I think there I'm, is. I think there is, you know? Yeah, so I'm going to check it out and then look at the video again. I wonder if he plays it in the video. Interesting. I, I mean, don't think... Well, he, the fact that he owns it... I don't remember him playing it in the video, but then again, it's so it's so grainy and rough. You know, they could be doing anything, really. It's just like a weird car chase <laughs> through the woods. And there's the Vibraconda. 
There isn't many videos. No, Vibra Cobra. Vibra Cobra. Yeah, that's a that's just, a weird video. It's just like a like a, a parade going through a town, and there's like girls with batons and horses and. Oh no, that's not the one I was thinking of. What's the one about the woman who's being visited by? Oh no, hang on, that's not a Polvo video. That's a um, that's another Chapel Hill band now. Oh, <laughs> spatula. That's a uh, spatula video. Oh, spatula. <laughs> they got they've got great names. These uh, bands. I found Right the Relation as well. Okay. They're they're playing in the woods and everything's very purple and arty. It's very it's very well lit and that's really it. They're just hanging around in the woods creeping around in the woods so light so light rakings from siberia which was their their last studio album in 2013 mm. let's say a little bit about siberia so i mean musically it's much more accessible and refined yeah. than their earlier stuff i think that refinement started around exploded drawing which was their third third studio album and it was the it was the one they released on touch and go so they moved over to a new label mm. not a new producer i think it was bob weston produced the third album and he'd also produced mm. their second album with merge but but i think exploded drawing was quite a different sound it was quite a leap wasn't it from today's active lifestyle um, yeah it was a leap but it's still very different to siberia yes I think. yeah yeah but what, what i mean is i think from exploded drawing on they then, with every release, developed a more structured mainstream sound. And let's not forget, like, that Siberia is over 20 years from Corcoran Secret. Mm, mm. So, yeah, their bound yeah. to sound slightly different. Yeah, and, like, the vocals are more in your face in Siberia. They're very clean. There's, there's still the, the, the interesting guitar sounds. Like, uh, there's a track, Total Immersion, and the riff sounds like the strings are really really tuned to as low as they can be yeah a very floppy sound and i think there's some organ playing in the album somewhere as well there's definitely some 70s psychedelic sounds on there so i'd written here about old maps was one that could have been released by procol harem <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so obviously that that's the that gives you an idea of the kind of sound that they that they had there but but definitely some I mean, other than the Procol Harum reference, it's, as I say, a much more accessible album. Ash's voice had become a, a, a very important component mm-hmm. by this time, whereas on Corcoran's Secret and Today's Active Lifestyles, Ash's voice was just an additional ingredient. It wasn't It wasn't the key ingredient. No, no. Um, but, but doing that by Siberia gave them more commercial appeal. Um, Definitely. Some, something for the masses to hold on to and sing along to and... And it's you know it's got some catchy melodies on Siberia as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Light Raking is actually a really great song. You can hear people singing along to it, you know. And um, you don't really get that sense with songs and their older albums, I don't think. But I'm not when I listen to those, I'm not listening to the vocals very much. I'm, I'm listening to what the guitars are doing and the drums. Yeah, I mean, you could The lyrics are very clear on the vast majority of Siberia, and the lyrics aren't always fantastic. But mm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, although. Do you remember Waterwheel? Waterwheel's a great song anyway. It's really clever. Yeah, it's just it's a great song. It's a bit long. It's the longest track on the album, I think. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's a beautiful delivery of the tiny fucking rainbows. <laughs> yes, yeah. It kind of knocked me back a little bit when I heard it. Like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's because it's a bit different it's you know ash has normally got quite a soft innocent voice and he really yeah he he really powers yeah. through some of some of water wheel yeah definitely definitely uh, it's like eight minutes or something yeah it's a long one yeah anything else on uh music videos or siberia oh vibracoba sorry just looking at my notes i have made a note on the vibracoba video which was yeah. the street parade 
Yeah. And I've also written really odd close-ups of people's legs and crotches. <laughs> and I remember yeah. it now. There is some really odd close-ups of people's yeah, legs and it's crotches. A bit, it's a bit of a weird one. It's Again, it's like very grainy and like a handheld camera, like someone's in the audience watching a parade. Yeah. There's a bunch of like christians with their placards talking about you know the end is near and then there's these carnival floats with horses on them and then there's these girls in skimpy dresses throwing batons around i don't really like videos where not much happens you know yeah. it's like what does this mean yeah it's just nothing does that sound horrible <laughs> no not at all not at all so that's going to be the tagline for the episode <laughs> oh no <laughs> no it won't be all right question three what was the name of Ash Bowie's solo project? <laughs> Libraness. Correct. Although I said I mean, Libraness, I'm, but you could be right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it in a questioning way because I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah. I, I thought of it like a library, Libraness, but then you could think of it like Libra, like the star sign. Yeah, I thought it was Libra, like the star sign, but... Um, Libraness actually sounds better, so I'll go with that. Libraness. So yeah, that was, that was his solo project. 2000, he released a collection of solo recorded tracks all recorded on four track cassette during Mm. his polvo days i mean they they were tracks that he developed during the polvo days but they didn't seem Mm. to him like polvo tunes so he sat Mm. on them and uh and then he released them as as this name libraness the the album yesterday and tomorrow's shells that's right yeah and i absolutely love this album oh really like yeah I, i really really dig it Oh, wow. It feels like all the really intense Eastern sounds, the really interesting, intricate guitar parts, it's it's really condensed and it it just feels like such an interesting listening experience. And then there's parts of it that sound a bit like Nine Inch Nails, I think. Other times like Soundgarden. But then there's very rough production to it. There is. As well. Yeah. Which is which kind of suits it. Feels. I mean, lo-fi has has some charms, but there's but there's a limit, and I do think the you know it, um, I don't know I I find it, it it is it's not engaging enough for me to listen to because it's very flat sound due to the quality of recording. Uh, many of the tracks are almost entirely devoid of any bass tones, which makes it a little incomplete sounding to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe if I've got maybe if I listen to it on a decent sound system, it sounds slightly different, but I'm not sure it would. Um, yeah, but then to me it sounds like you're kind of going into, you know, a weird little underground club and there's a guy on his guitar and he's just mucking about and he's seen some crazy shit. <laughs> this is the music that he's he's made. <laughs> but I, I know what you mean. I, I prefer the Polvo stuff, but I, I, I really was surprised by this. I thought it would be a lot more pretentious garbage. Maybe you think it is pretentious garbage, but I, I thought it was very interesting and clever music. Yeah. No, I don't think it's pretentious. It's just, it didn't, it didn't keep me coming back. Uh, he, I mean, he stepped away from his deep relationship with his guitar, though. Uh, on this record, he uses all sorts of different instruments. Mm. Um, a dulcimer, a banjo, um, a horn, a recorder, toy yeah. piano. Yeah, that's cool. And and like the acoustic guitar anyway, as well. It's yeah. It's sounds beautiful yeah i think the appeal is with the with the song quality though right and and the insight into ash's mind i saw one interview with i can't remember who it was with now but they were saying that that, that this record is um is like a journey through ash ash bowie's mind mm, cool wow I, I could dig that 
plenty of other projects as well as Librenesto. So the the most notable one from Ash was uh, kind of around the same time as Polvo. He was in Helium, which is mm. kind of a noise yeah. pop band, soft indie rock yeah. band. I like Helium. I, I I was really listening to them as a side listening project. Yeah, they're they're nice. They're very different as well for him to be playing bass with helium at the same time doing polvo but i guess you know that for, for him they're scratching two different kinds of itch you know he's he's getting to express himself in different ways yeah um, they released two studio albums at the same time as um as, as polvo he was going out with the the front lady as well wasn't he yeah i think that was, was that at the at the time or was that a bit later I'm i think it sure. was at the time yeah. mary Tim, mary timoney yeah and and mary timoney's voice is is the dominant ingredient in in helium really so it's a big mm. contrast to polvo who at that time i mean this is pre pre shapes in prism and siberia mm. so ash ash's voice was not that prominent in the band so mm. um yeah very different approach to to polvo i've got an interesting well maybe it's a made-up story but i've got an interesting story about helium mm. um so helium were a, a boston band and actually well okay i'll, I'll I'm, I'm approaching the story from the wrong angle. So there's a shoegaze band called Drop 19s from Boston. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and they started out at the turn of the decade, uh, you know, early 90s. Um, and, and I thought genuinely when I first heard Polvo, even though the, the style of music is very different, I thought, wow, that reminds me a lot of Drop 19s in a way. Okay. Um, now, Drop 19s played a lot around the Jamaica Plain neighborhood of Boston in the early 90s. And I know that the third record, uh, what's it called, Exploded Drawing, was recorded in Jamaica Plain in Boston. And mm. to know that Ash was involved with Helium, who were from that area of Boston as well, I think it's not impossible that Ash saw Drop 19s. I mean, I don't know what brought him to Boston for the first time, but I'm not, you know, it's not impossible that he saw Drop 19s early on in his in his musical career and was influenced by them in a way. Now, I've done a lot of Google searching and I can't find any connection between Drop 19s and um, Polvo. I was hoping that I'd find some kind of connection of like shared musicianship or shared producers or something, but there's really no connection at all. But yeah, genuinely, before I had come up with this theory that he had been influenced by Drop 19s, I thought when first, you know, listening to Core Crane Secret, I thought, oh, there's similarities there mm, could be could if be. anyone has any evidence that that backs up my theory then definitely definitely get in touch with me because i'd be really interested to know if that's complete bollocks or if i've i've touched something there i've i've got the uh, the image of you um with your like newspaper clippings <laughs> stuck all over your walls and you've got a string tied to the different things <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit like that i did do a lot of searching online i thought there must be there must be something i mean what are the odds what are the odds that they're both connected to this same neighborhood in Boston? And I thought before knowing that, that they had, you know, some similarities in their sound, but no, I couldn't find anything. Mm, yeah. But Bowie is very quiet about his influences anyway, isn't he? He yeah. doesn't really talk much. So yeah. it could be, it could be the case. <clears throat> Did you check out the, the other guys side projects or other projects? No, I didn't. I kept meaning to, um, I keep meaning to, but no, I haven't listened to, to any of the other bands. I listened to, so Dave Brolowski and drummer Brian Quast, who's, he was the later drummer. They, they formed, it's like a duo called Silver Scrolls. 
and last year they released a debut album called Music for Walks, divided into Walk One and Walk Two, with shorter walks within those walks. Wow. Um, yeah, they're not really walk. I mean, I guess you could walk with them. It doesn't sound like walking music, but it's it sounds quite nice. It's it sounds more like a dare I say it more commercialized Polvo. I think. Right. It's almost like Brilowski is the the more commercial side and. Um, Bowie's the more crazy psychedelic side, um, but that could be completely wrong. Before Silver Scrolls, those two were, were they both uh, Black Taj? Yeah, they were. Yeah, Black Taj. Mm-hmm. And also, Brodowski was in a band called Idol Swords, based in North Carolina. It's very influenced by Indonesian music. Yeah, um, Idol Swords, really interesting. Really interesting use of percussion and. It could be guitar sounds, but again, it could be it could be Indonesian instruments. It doesn't sound Western. It sounds very it sounds very different. It sounds mm. fascinating. Really interesting uh, music. Mm, I'm going to check them out. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what uh, Steve Popson's been up to? He was in Black Taj, actually. No, he oh, was right. in Black Taj with okay. Brolowski and the BQs with but with Bowie. But I don't know anything about the BQs. All right. All right, let's move on. Question four. In 1992, Polvo released a double A side seven inch with which other Chapel Hill band? Mm, they released... Is So it's, it's another Chapel Hill band? Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay. Is it one of those bands that I mentioned earlier? I can't remember if you've mentioned these guys. Uh, can you give me a clue? Okay, so the second clue is that the front man of this band has uh, a further connection with Polvo. Ooh, that doesn't actually help me at all. Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to say pavement. Oh, it's not. I didn't come across pavement. The answer is Erectus Monotone. Oh, yes. Yes. These guys, yeah. This is the band that had the the guy that gave them the 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 Bible with the tigers on it, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> is the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so the answer to the question is Erectus Monotone. They they released a, a double A side single with Erectus Monotone called El Cid. There was a single by Polvo and a single by Erectus Monotone, and then the B side to the seven inch was a track uh, where both bands played together, and that was released under the name Erectus Polvatone. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, so Andy Freeburn was the front man for Erectus Monotone. So I have done so much digging on this lawsuit. So I'll just preface it for anyone listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about. So one of the things that Matt and I have come to learn, all Polvo fans know about, because there's not a lot of information about Polvo, the one thing that everyone knows is that there was a lawsuit uh, around their second album today's active lifestyles to do something to do with the, the 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 cover art they were sued by and i'll say somebody at this point because i you know i've done a lot of research on this <laughs> so mm. so we'll say they were sued by somebody um because of the cover art they didn't have permission to use something on it and you will find online quite a few different stories but i think i've got to the bottom of it what's your understanding of the story i thought andy freeburn from Erectus Monotone, which I think is one of the coolest band names ever. Agreed. Gave them 
a book. It was like a Jehovah's Witness Bible um, that was full of monsters and miracles, according to Ash. I read in an interview, and it was a big red book full of crazy illustrations. There was a woman of ill repute holding a goblet full of liquor, riding on a red tiger with lots of heads. I think it was from the book of Revelation or something. And so they picked it out and put it on their album. And then there was a, a lawsuit, so they had to take it off. But then I also read somewhere else that they took it from circus posters and then drew horns on the tigers. So It's I don't funny, know. I saw an interview with Ashbury that said that as well, but that doesn't work. It, it doesn't agree with anything else on the internet, so... Mm. It's strange. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're just telling us there's two stories which have been merged over time as like urban legends. Yeah. So my my understanding of it is pretty similar. Yeah, pretty similar to yours. Uh, but it took me a while to get there, and I think the biggest uh, mistake on the internet is I think it's on Wikipedia where it says the lawsuit came from Andy Freeburn, who is the artist yeah. for the cover art. Yeah, uh, that's not true. <laughs> it's absolutely not true. And that kind of yeah. threw me down a rabbit hole for a while because I thought yeah. that it was Andy Freeburn that had, that had, that had served the lawsuit. And, and I should probably, I can't remember the edit from um, my interview with Christian, but I think maybe when I interviewed Christian, I was still under the impression that it was Andy Freeburn. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you know um, in my research, I was researching Andy Freeburn artist. Yeah. trying to find paintings by Andy Freeburn and yeah. there was nothing because <laughs> he's not an artist he's, he's not but but he's my... the guy from from a band yeah um but my understanding of Andy Freeburn's connection is that the the pamphlet from the Jehovah's Witnesses which is what the images were taken from I think that was given to uh Ash or someone in the band by Bob Weston who was the producer for, for mm. that album and I believe that it was Andy Freeburn who collaged the images for the front cover of the album. And so right. Andy Freeburn is credited as the artist for the cover art. Okay. So so although it was Merge, the the record label that were approached um, with the threat of a, a lawsuit from the Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. it was Andy Freeburn who was also involved in that because he was the the artist who who compiled the images. Yeah. So that's the Andy Freeburn connection, but Wikipedia's definitely got it wrong. Yes. Um, oh, it has. Yeah. It was that was really frustrating to yeah. go down that rabbit hole. But what's what I like though? So today's active lifestyles. This album, uh, it was um, it had a reissue, and the reissue artwork is just loads of red tigers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're compensating for the uh, the lawsuit. Yeah. So so the bit that was removed. Um, so, so the cover, the original cover art for this record was a yellow cover with a, a strip down the bottom that had the name of the band and the name of the album, uh, and then uh, kind of off center was a was a, a collage of, of lions and, and tigers and wildcat heads. Uh, and so then they, after they were threatened by the Jehovah's Witnesses, they removed that part of the record. And they released it with just the yellow background and the strip at the bottom. Yeah. And then, as you say, when they when they reissued it, when Merge reissued it more recently, they totally played on the Wildcats and just covered yeah. it in Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just going nuts. And then um, on Exploded Drawing, there's a kind of tiger 
dragon thing. Definitely, yeah. It looks quite cool. It's quite iconic, mm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool cover. I like it. It's um, very, uh... In Prism is, is a really cool... I, li- I love the cover for In Prism. Yeah, what, what is it? It's just like, well, it's I like think a kaleidoscope. It's... No, I think it's potentially the word polvo, I think. So there's there's quite a oh, clear V-O yes. and there's an yes. L in white. So I think that's what oh, it is. Yes. It's a cool piece that's of art, right. but I couldn't that find is. any information about artists online. No, that's cool. No, I knew you'd be looking for that. Their album covers are a bit kind of a bit unconventional. Um, yeah. There's yeah, not think... much to say about them. <laughs> no, I don't think... I mean, Siberia is a, is, is a loss, really. They, they, they didn't try with Siberia. What is what is that? It's just a, it's just that someone did a um it's just spirograph. A yeah, exactly. it's a spirograph. Yeah. <laughs> spirograph. Oh my god, I haven't heard that for a long time. Yeah. With a bit of chalk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Get your kid to do that. Um, but I but I like in Prism. Uh shapes, I can't remember. What's shapes? It's it's just a bunch of shapes. <laughs> it's right. um I don't know, it looks kind of like like some weird fiber optic display like some weird stars all right triangles it's a bit it's a bit odd it's a bit boring and corcoran secret i can't remember what that is either i think that's just a weird picture of the band just playing ah okay it's yeah it's a bit boring again well uh erectus monotone uh i haven't heard any of their music but did you notice that Andy Freeburn appears in that uh, news article? Yes, he does. Yes, just, just yeah. very quickly, <laughs> really quickly. Says like, says like a couple of words. Yeah, yeah. So does uh, Dave Brylowski actually. He does. He does. So yeah, Andy Freeburn was guitarist and and vocalist for Chapel Hill um, band Directors Monotone. They were operating early nineties, uh, a little bit before Polvo, but they were they were peers and ash speaks very highly of them actually mm. in quite a few interviews i've i've heard him reference you know how mm. how influential erectus monotone were and uh you know he, he loved their music so a little bit on um today's active lifestyles so that that came out in 1993 and jerry key had been their producer for Corcrane secret mm. and then they moved to bob weston for today's active lifestyles jerry key seems to be the sound of the chapel hill scene right so he had a home studio located in Chapel Hill and and not just I mean a lot of local bands recorded there. He yeah, he was he was very much the Was he like the go to guy? I think he was bands. the go to guy, yeah. But yeah. but I will say that I mean, I'll get your opinion on this, but I do think that Corcrane Secret and today's active lifestyles have quite a different sound to their other records. Yeah, I think their style was fairly consistent across those two records, but I do think that the production on the second record is uh, it's not vastly better, but it's better. Um, it is, yeah. I um I couldn't really get into Corcoran Secret. I I really like all their other albums in different ways. Uh, but it's it's definitely like an early band work where it's it's a bit it's a bit vague, and you wonder if they knew what they were doing. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're trying to establish themselves. But today's active lifestyles have some cool stuff on there. Uh, I read in an interview they said that. Um, it was only about half written when they went to the studio, right. and there was a lot of there's a lot of parts where it's totally spontaneous, which which is pretty believable. Yeah, totally. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, Bob Weston. I mean, he was by no means a, a world class producer, but he'd been active for a while when he when he took on this record, and definitely had a, a slightly more impressive back catalogue than than Jerry Key, and maybe he just you know had a few few good pointers for the band mm. he had a pretty decent career on the stage and off stage um 
by that time so yeah I, yeah I don't know maybe he just managed to steer them in a good direction yeah i found a review <laughs> when it came out oh, and yeah. um yeah get get ready to to hit your head on the desk no. <laughs> uh this was this was uh from hot press it was a very positive review the reviewer the critic jerry mcgovern he wrote that the album sounds the way sonic youth might if sonic youth untunes their untuned guitars oh yeah i saw that <laughs> i actually made a, <sighs> made a note of that same quote god's sake <laughs> Um, but um, Sonic Youth did play around with weird tunings, so I guess that's the uh, that's the main similarity. But yeah, yeah. let's not mention Sonic Youth anymore in no, this, done. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's quite a cool uh, album cover with the 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 tigers. I like that. I really like that album cover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's now it's just it's just a yellow with a green stripe. It looks really depressing. Mm. It's like oh, you know, we've been hit with a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's what they said? That's so sad. Do you know anything about the record names? Where does today's active lifestyles come from? I have got no idea about any of the names, actually. Do you? I don't know, and I and I did want to know, particularly for Corcoran Secret. I, I mean, there's got to be a story behind that, mm. but no, I couldn't find anything about it. Unfortunately. Did you look? I tried to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but to be, uh, I mean. I'm probably repeating something we've said four or five times already, but you know, most Google searches take you through to the same interviews. Mm. You read the same four, five, six, yeah. seven interviews over and over. I feel that if I continue looking for what Corcoran secret means, I'm just going to keep coming across the same articles again. Yeah, it's just you're not gonna, enough. You're going to lose your mind. And I'm going to lose my mind, yeah. So that was yeah. that was a no-pointer for you, wasn't it? Unfortunately. It but was. You do, I mean, you're three out of four. You're doing pretty yeah, that's... Well. That's three better than I thought I'd get. Yeah. So question five. Who plays cello on In Prison? <laughs> Do you know that this you, is, you definitely know yeah, this? Yeah, this is a guy called Chris Eubank. <laughs> it is Chris Eubank. <laughs> so in case people don't know, Chris Eubank is, well, he's a legend. He's he's a boxer um, from the UK and he's he's just, he's an absolute cracking personality. Yeah, he's a um, real character, just, yeah. But just the idea of Chris Eubank, the boxer, playing the cello, it's, I honestly, like, I was, I was absolutely in stitches. Yeah, uh, so Chris Eubank was, yeah, he was a <laughs> bass player and cello player, um, <laughs> primarily for the Chapel Hill band Spatula. Mm-hmm. They were around between 92 and 98. They toured with Polvo once, and they also, you know, like every Chapel Hill band, they worked with Jerry Key and Bob Weston. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I got my music videos mixed up before, so I did. Right. I did look at the the music video for Radio Helmet from Spatula, okay. and that's the one that I was saying where there's. It's really weird. There's a woman who thinks she's being visited by aliens, and so she's she keeps putting colanders on her head okay. to, so the aliens can't find her. But it's quite yeah. a disturbing we've all, video. We've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> I've you... got one on my head now. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, if if you if you got a colander on your head, you could use a spatula as a weapon, <laughs> and it's like this kitchen utensil armory, you know. I, you I thought f- you, you figured them all out. Yeah, a band that just plays kitchen utensils. There's an, there's actually a video online of a bunch of guys playing, you know, washing machine and a dishwasher and stuff. Uh, yeah, Chris Eubank on cello, and also on in prison there was. Uh, there's a percussion player called River Gugarian. 
I know all about River, yeah. So they're both, both Chris and River, they're on the track Lucia. And Lucia is a fantastic song. I really, really is, like this yeah. song. It's, it's very, be- it's beautiful, beautiful. There's, there's actually a lot of, I mean, In Prism is definitely my favourite record by, there's a it's lot of great. good tracks there. It's, it's a really good mm. album. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I need to listen to it more. It's grown on me and uh, it's going to keep growing on me. I need to listen to that a lot more. Mm. Yeah, Lucy is a, a really cool, super cool song. The first half before it really kicks in, I mean, it's a world apart from those first two records. You wouldn't recognise it was the same band. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dream, Dream Residue Work. That's a great tune. Really great riff. And when the drum enters, it's a it's a really unexpected interpretation of the riff, which I mm. guess is that that math rock influence. But yeah, you don't always hear it on that post hiatus records. But yeah, I, I really like that song as well. Yeah, One, yeah, for sure. Can we just go back to River Gugarian? Did you read up about yeah. River? No, I didn't actually. Yeah, so River Gugarian is a is a percussionist, uh, a multi instrumentalist and, and percussionist, but really interesting guy. So in 1994, he sold all his worldly possessions and left civilization for five years. He camped up in a wildlife sanctuary in the Himalayan mountains. And wow. he spent that time studying the physiological fe- effects of sound on the body and brain. Whoa. He met he met a woman out there and had a child and then re-entered civilization. Yeah, that's what, that's what having a child does to you. <laughs> You have all these amazing plans to be enlightened, and then our oh, kid comes along, yeah. <laughs> ruins it. But yeah, what an, what an interesting character! Wow, that's fascinating. So, Chris Eubank playing cello on In Prism. The, <laughs> the other reason, I mean, obviously we remember it because it's, his name is Chris Eubank. But the other reason I'm you sorry. remember it is because they just don't have many session musicians, uh, you know, many features. It's not something Polvo do very often. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I can't help laughing just at the idea at of Chris Bank playing cello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There is a trumpet player called Spot. Yes. S-P-O-T-T. Yeah. Plays on the song Downtown Dedication. Yes. But that's it, I think, isn't it? Just those three. I think so. Yeah, I think so. That's, I mean, that's a pretty uh, amazing got... for six studio albums. Yeah, I couldn't find anything anything else. But then maybe maybe these guys are just great at playing multiple instruments. Yeah. So they don't need to. But it is it is unusual. I mean, you know, some sometimes you'd expect at least like a backing vocalist to come in or, you know, some, some different different horn parts, string parts. You know, the, the the cello actually sounds really nice. I hadn't figured out where the cello was, so I must go back and listen to Lucia again and, and listen out for it. It, it. it sounds, I mean, it's quite easy to, to interpret it as another guitar line because it's, yeah. it's, it's weaving in and out of all the other instruments going on. Mm. But you, you would have thought they'd have some other string parts, you know, string players playing some kind of interesting arrangements, but yeah. they're, 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 they're fundamentally a guitar band. So I guess they're just sticking to that. Yeah, although, you know, there's sometimes, well, not even sometimes, there's often ambiguous instrumentation, but we're certainly led to believe that that's pretty much always performed by the two guitars. Uh, and in other, you know, on shapes, I think, off the top of my head, there's mm. definitely gong sounds and things like that. Um, so yeah. There's, there's some, some random percussion, but... There's also, like, little bird songs. <laughs> mm. there's, there's some sounds and you just wonder, like, what is that? You know, it, like in the track Enemy Insects at the start of Shapes, it, there's some parts that sound almost like, I don't know, almost like trumpets or like horns. I mean, they're, they're just very clever guys, aren't they? 
with their yeah. pedals. Very enjoyable listening to their music. Just, you know, they, they take you on, under into so many different directions. You know, they haven't got a specific sound. You know, they're, they're, they're always changing and I'm really impressed by these guys. I understand the hype. They're, they're always changing, but I, but I would say that, you know, unlike some other bands that we've done that are mm. always changing, I do feel that Polvo's evolution is, is quite, a, quite a holistic progression. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It does make sense and it's, it, it moves quite naturally. I think that there's a bit of a jump from, from today's active lifestyles to exploded drawing. Yeah. But from then on, I feel that the progression is quite, quite sensible. Um, obviously, if you listen to Siberia and Corcoran Secret, they're worlds apart. But but the oh, journey yeah. to get there is um, it makes a lot of sense. Well, it's, it's over twenty years as well between exactly, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't all be pig destroyer, can they? And just do the same thing for twenty years? No, that's harsh. I don't mean that. <laughs> pig destroyer haven't been doing the same thing. They've just they've got they're very good at what they do. Very good at destroying pigs. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to compare these guys to pig destroyer, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> on who? On which one? Uh, no comment. <laughs> on either. Matt, you nailed it. Four out of five. I'm really pleased with that. When was the last time you did four out of five? Have you ever done four out of five? I might. Did I get that for Faith No More? Um, sure. I think you were disappointed by your, your Faith No More um, I think I think my record is like three and a half. I think I, I got a three and I try to try to steal half a point. So mm. I think that might be my record. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Man. Thank you, Christian. Thanks, Christian. Yeah, so this episode was a fan pick. We were contacted by Christian from Kansas who said he was a mega fan of Polvo. And since discovering them a few years ago, there was nothing they've created that he doesn't now love to enjoy. So uh, I caught up with Christian a few days ago. Let's, let's hear how that went. Mm. Hi, Christian. How are you? Hi, Chris. I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> Very good. Very good. I appreciate you contacting us and I appreciate you recommending Polvo, who I hadn't heard of. No, I'm not too surprised. They're not that well known outside of, you know, big indie rock fans. Um, mm. And even then, they're kind of still obscure. So so tell me a bit about, um, about Polvo and when you first heard about them and how you got into them. <sighs> well, Chris, I knew you would ask me that. <laughs> just from listening to past episodes of the podcast. And I was trying to think of my own personal origin story with the band, and I was struggling to do so. Unfortunately, I think the specific moment when I first heard them has been lost from my memory. But I, I'm pretty certain it was on Spotify because I'm a member of today's youth. Oh, okay, so it wasn't the 90s? You, you, you weren't no, in the 90s. I'm just okay. a 24 year old guy from Kansas. Oh, That's, right. <laughs> but I'm, and I'm pretty certain the first song I heard was thought the song called uh, Fast Canoe. Yeah, I think it was back in high school. I just heard that song as a recommendation from Spotify. Yeah. And I dug it. And when I delved deeper into them, I was kind of surprised because they're a lot noisier than that particular song. And I didn't dig it all that much, to be honest. As all great um, fandom stories start, <laughs> didn't dig it all that much. Um, because I wasn't, I wasn't as receptive to like, the gut punches gives you. But as I've grown older... And expanded my um, musical palette, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. It clicked. It just clicked. That's the best way to put it. It just clicked. You've definitely added a, um, an unexpected twist because I, I w- was fully expecting uh, you to have, you know, been around in the '90s and, and grown up with <laughs> I this. Wish. But, um, so I guess you never I managed wish. to see them live. No, 
Oh, I think that? the last time I played live was like 2011 or something like that. Okay, right. So over a decade ago. So what what is it about their sound that keeps you, you know, that you've grown to love and, and now keeps you coming back? It's a good question. That's a very good question. I think it might have to do with just how good of a guitar team Ash Bowie and Dave Berlowski are. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you are familiar with Television, the band from the 70s, they have Marquee Moon, that one mm-hmm. album. And you might know that the two guitarists in that band are Rich Lloyd and Tom Lane. You know, great guitarists on their own, but as a duo, they're something special. And I think uh, Ash and Dave are the same way, just from like their 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 generations for Lane and, and um, Lloyd for Television. Um, they're just that, they have that chemistry, that um, ability to play off each other, and um, it's just special. Also, they just, they're very melodic too. Like, they have great hooks. That you kind of have to listen deep for, but once you find them, uh, it's uh, dare I say catchy. So yeah. I mean, you, you discovered them through Spotify, and Spotify is really good at telling you um, the peers of a band that you like. So have mm-hmm. you have you gone on to discover other bands from that genre or that scene? Um, yeah, or is it? Just I've um, I've discovered Unwound. Mm-hmm. I've discovered uh, June of Forty Four. Um, Drive like Jehu, yeah, those sort of early math rock bands, yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, look, the the only way to to really gauge your level of fandom is to put you through the super fan gauntlet, of course. So I've got five questions to test your polvo knowledge. If you get all, all five right. correct, then you've earned the label of super fan, and if you get zero, then you're going to be ousted as a fraud. Wait, wait, it's only five or zero? Is it not four <laughs> to five? Hold on, if what? You, if you if you get less than five. Then uh, we'll we'll come up with a name for you. <laughs> but the thing is, though, that polvo trivia on the internet's pretty. It they're, has been they're pretty uh, obscure. It's been difficult. It's been difficult. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. And there's, it's totally possible that you could have come up with something that I've never seen mm. with some specific, you know, keywords on Google that I just <laughs> never never put in or whatever. But uh, yeah, well, I'm curious to see what you got. We'll find out. So, question one: Who did polvo support in their 1995 washing machine tour? Sonic Youth. Great start. There Must be. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have known that if you didn't say Washing Machine. That's yeah, a Sonic Youth gosh, album. <laughs> should have pulled yeah. that up. Yeah. You did that one to yourself. The thing is, Polvo supported quite a lot of decent bands. Um, yeah. And uh, just saying who did Polvo support in their 1995 tour wouldn't necessarily have been Sonic Youth. Uh, they they managed to get on the. Uh, I know they did do some shows. Yeah. I know they did do some shows with Sonic Youth. And mm. I think during those shows, like they went by some, or Sonic Youth went by some moniker that wasn't their actual name. Oh, really? I don't remember what it is exactly. Yeah, during those shows, for some reason. But um, oh, yeah, interesting. I they were a huge influence on the bands, and I can only imagine it was like an honor for them to yeah. perform with them. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot a lot of people compare. In fact, it gets quite annoying how much people compare Polvo to Sonic Youth. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. th- critic reviews. Uh, from back in the day are just full of references to sonic youth so are you a sonic youth fan as well i am casually not mm-hmm. hugely yeah but i've i only have a copy of daydream nation in my record collection mm-hmm. unfortunately oh it's a brilliant start and I'm disappointed in myself for, for giving it away yeah <laughs> so question two the music video for which song features balls of string balls of string see i haven't seen many of their music videos kind of listen to the songs um 
It says different colored balls of string just kind of rolling around. Mm. Is it Tilebreaker? Oh, it's not. It's not. Is it not Tilebreaker? Oh, not. dang. Oh, no. Question two. Maybe if you like, give me the album it's off of. The album was Siberia. Oh, okay. Then it's Light Breaking. It's Light Breaking. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Oh, no. Do you know yeah, what? That's... I thought that this was this was going to be a fairly easy one, only because they, I mean, they do have music videos, but this they seems to be one of the higher, not not even high budget, really, but certainly the 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 one that's got a bit of commercial thought gone into it. Like, yep. You know, because and... I think by that time that album came out, they were um, a bit more mature a, as a band and people. Yeah, more mature and probably more you know well off. For me, on Merge Records, they went to the label they yeah. were on. Yeah, it was definitely a household name in the indie scene, and. Um, probably had a, the budget to do a much higher quality music video for the band. And how do you feel about Siberia generally? Because it's very different, right? To, to it is. It is. Um, I do listen to it the least, but they, there are some great songs on it. Um, mm. I think Light Raking, specifically, the synths on that song, you know, coming from um, hearing their earlier works, which is just, you know, guitar, bass, drums, putting mm. in synths on a Polvo record, it's such a such a leap for them but yeah. it works out great i love it um i love the opening track total immersion i think their most verlaine lloyd-esque song is blues is lost the second second song on the album because they're just okay rocking off each other with their guitars it's great and you know it's just great chemistry great jamming the water wheel is an epic song oh my gosh the water wheel is a great song there's a song on there called some songs i think it's kind of their most sort of basic poppy-ish songs um and then there's anchorus which is i don't know if you ever did you did you happen to hear the um the version of anchorus that was on the uh the the seven inch with they had a, they had a single called oh, no. heavy detour and then the b-side on that was an early version of the song anchorus and there's no, a great little there's a great little keyboard solo at the end of the song that's not on the album version for oh, some cool. reason awesome i'll check that yeah. All right. Well, sorry about that. Uh, we can we can pull it back though. Question three: What was the name of Ash Bowie's solo project? That is Libraness. Yes, it is. That yeah. is Libraness, and I have to say that I not well acquainted with that album, mm. um, even though I'm a huge fan of his guitar playing. But I think it's mostly like acoustic, sort of acoustic. I think there's probably some sitar on there too because he loves Asian music. But um, yeah. Did you listen to it? Yeah, I have listened to it. Um, oh, okay. It's quite experimental, and yeah, um, it's very stripped back. I mean, it, I mean, it's just him. Quite, sh it lacks a bit of depth. The, the they were songs yeah. that were written during the Polvo days that just didn't make it to the band, and so they were recorded. I mean, it's it's incredibly lo-fi. Mm. But then again, you kind of get a view into Ash's head with his tunings, and um, it's the music that he wanted to make, and he made it. And I think there, I mean. I think there's rumors of a second Luminous album, but uh, maybe that's, that's a long time ago. Maybe it's not mm. going to come out anytime soon. But um, if it is true, I would love to listen to it. Are you hopeful that you'll ever get any more material from material from Polvo? I'm a little bit hopeful, yeah, because let's see, Ash plays music still. Dave does, and Steve, the drummer from Polvo, does with Dave as well in his own band, their own band. Mm. I'm not sure what the bassist Steve Popson is doing these days, um, but three of the four members are still making music, so I think it's still possible. Fingers crossed. 
Fingers crossed for sure. Okay. Now question four is a fun one because okay. I changed this question about 25 minutes ago. Oh, right before getting on the call with you, I texted Matt and said, uh, is it okay to do a last minute question change? The question I had was too obvious. It was about the lawsuit. And right. Yeah. It, there was, it was a giveaway. It was a giveaway point. So, <laughs> so, so I found this out. Yeah. Just this evening. And I've, I've written a new question. So question four. Oh boy. Okay. In March 1992, Polvo released a double A side called El Cid with which other Chapel Hill band? All right. So they did two seven inches with another band, uh, or, you know, two split seven inches. Mm. And one of them was a band called Erectus Mono, Erectus Mono, Erectus something like that. Mm -hmm. And the other one was a band called New Radiant Storm King. And I think El Cid um, was the one with Rictus Monotone. Correct. Well done. Yes. Thank you so much. Correct in everything yeah. you said. Yeah. The, the <laughs> seven inch as well. Yeah. Brilliant. I they yeah they did like a like a track on that seven inch where they played together and they made their name on the uh, seven inch. They made their name Rictus Pulvotone. Oh really? Kind of like combine their names. Yeah. So it's like a a whole new bands almost interesting yeah, yeah i so don't have that i wish i had those seven inches but that they're split seven inches but i don't yeah you're right so it's a, it's double a side with a single from a uh, erectus monotone fragment um from polvo yeah. is in the hand of the sieve and then the b side is erectus polvotone with yeah. fine i actually not heard the song but i just knew that they combined their names great I think the song is on youtube though yeah, I'll check that out. And um, Andy Freeburn was somebody in Erectus Monotone. I don't know what part he played. I believe he was a front man, so I'm guessing vocals and guitar. Um, and Andy Freeburn was the one who compiled the collage of uh, Lions and Tigers. Oh, for, yes, yes. I'm like, um, okay. Today's Active Lifestyles, yeah. Um, today's Active Lifestyles, uh, one of your favorites? One of, yes. On some days it's my favorite. On some days it's my second favorite. Uh, the second to Imprison. Um, oh, that was the album that that was the album that I struggled most with getting into at first. Back, you know, when I was first with the band. Yeah. Because it was uh, very noisy. Very um, heavy. Yeah. Yeah. It took a good number of probably years until I appreciated all the songs on that album. Mm. Yeah, and I will say that today's Active Lifestyles has one of my favorite Polvo tracks, mm -hmm. um, which is "Time Is Not Isn't on My Side," which has those like Super Mario Brothers sort of like synths in it. I don't know yeah. if you remember that song, but it has like those video, those like video gamey Super Mario synths in them. It's very, it's a very goofy song, but it's very charming as well. Mm. And then, um, yeah, the song "Tile Breaker" as well is a very boy. How do you describe it? It's very raw. It's very. I don't know. The, the guitarists sound angry in that song. If I had cool. to put a word to it, yeah. But I love it. Gosh, it's, it's such a. I I try to learn their good their guitar parts by ear on guitar, and it's just oh, wow. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's nearly it's nearly impossible, especially because yeah. the tunings. I the tunings. I don't know how to how to figure out tunings. I'm a very amateur guitar player, but um, yeah, you need you need a starting point, don't you? You at least need to know how yeah. the guitar's tuned before you can start trying to play it. It's um. Yep. Yeah, it's not a it's not an easy task, but very very good on question four. Really, thank you. That was that. question four. Okay, that was question one four. more. So one more question five. 
and I think considering this is your favorite album now, we might we might have this in the bank. So question five, <laughs> who plays cello on In Prism? Uh, oh boy. Oh, come on. There's a cellist on In Prism. There is a cellist on In Prism. I couldn't, I, is it, um, is it someone who has a relationship with one of the band members? Or like a, you know, like a past relationship or current uh, relationship? Because uh, it's not I Mary Timoney of Helium. No, it's not. Is, no, it's so it's um, it's a it's a it's a Chapel Hill musician. There, uh, this this individual was from a three piece uh, from Chapel Hill. Um, so they they knew Polvo, and you know they were around at the same time. And the 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 bands that they were from was a guitar, drums, and cello band. So I mean, there's not many of those around, but I've not heard of them. So it's quite possible that you would never have heard of them i might not have either <laughs> honestly um oh. man i could not tell you i oh. i i don't even know what song has a cello on it to be honest to be honest i, pay, I, I, pay, either, I pay attention but... to the guitars and what the guitar is doing and... so i'm sorry then so so the answer is chris eubank and okay uh i'll never forget that because chris eubank is a boxer in england um huh. okay uh, a quite quite a character but yeah this is chris eubank from the band spatula spatula and i don't know them at all i have to admit i think i mean i don't want to blame it on on my age but it might be because of my age i'm just i wasn't in the scene during the time sure i think that definitely makes i'm playing catch up yeah Yeah, i'm just playing catch up but uh yeah man it'd be interesting to know which track has has cello on it i should go back and listen to it shouldn't Mm. i Mm. i should well i should look up i should look up what song it is and then try to parse it out when i when i listen to it yeah, I mean, the thing is that Polvo uh, have always been quite sparing with guest musicians. And a lot of the time mm-hmm. you're fooled into thinking there's other musicians there when in reality it's, you know, them. Or it's mm-hmm. it's Ash doing weird things with the guitar, making it sound like it's it's not a guitar. Um, yeah. You know, Shapes, for example, has loads of cool sounds on it. But there's only one other artist credited on Shapes other than them. There's a there's a guy for trumpet on, on Shapes. And the rest of it is all the, all the band. Um, um, I think that must have been the song "Downtown Dedication" with his trumpet on. Yeah, I think that's yeah, the only one that has horns. Like, yeah. Um, I I don't, wish I had more to add, but yeah, I, I that stumped me. Good job, good job, oh. Chris. All right. Well, I was worried that it was either going to be five really easy questions. In fact, that was the only worry. I thought it was going to be five really easy questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, because you, because like you said, it's it's difficult. The, the internet is not full of information about this band. Um, you most of the information outside of you know Wikipedia or interviews with them is just from fans on on forums and message boards. Right. And yeah. It's it's definitely been it's this has been the most difficult uh, episode to prepare for. Without. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I'm not surprised about that. And I will say, like, I was having kind of fun myself um, looking up information about the band before this podcast. Yeah. And I was I was on like five web pages deep in the wayback machine and i found an interview with dave's mother oh wow um, yeah and she seemed like the sweetest lady she was like she was saying how you know she loves loud rock and roll and she loves the band and she was at their gig when they came by it was the sweetest thing and um yeah it was just really entertaining to to, to read that and there's also a few other small interviews with them that yeah. didn't really I mean, I didn't learn a whole lot of information. It was just fun reading them. Yeah, the, I mean, the worst one, the worst person to read interviews 
about is is Ash Bowie. He's not a great interviewee. He's, he's like, yeah. He doesn't give a lot away. A lot of the time, it's uh, one word answers. And I think that people writing up interviews with him do such a great job to try and make it sound like more was said. And I'm just I'm just bummed that all I can do is read about it and and watch YouTube videos about their, you know other concerts yeah. and such and such. You know, I'm I'm a guy who has a, a very unquenchable thirst for for rock and roll music. And particularly of the '90s, for some reason, I don't know why. That just oh, seems best, to be like the decade. Best decade. Yeah, best yeah, decade. yeah, exactly. Um, just this the decade where it was the most interesting. Yeah. Is there any final word for anyone listening to this episode who doesn't know Polvo? Just give him a shot. If you like, if you like, um, you know, sort of meandering guitars, loud guitars. If you like Sonic Youth, even though I <laughs> there's there's the <laughs> comparison again. But if you like Sonic Youth, you will like Polvo. I can pretty much guarantee you that. Cool. Thanks very much for your time, Christian. It's been yeah. Pleasure. Thank you so much, Chris. It was an absolute pleasure. Okay, three out of five. Very nice, Christian. You, you, your scoring is is a bit cruel, Chris, because you know he's clearly a super fan, but <laughs> he's probably very disappointed with that score. And um, you know the Chris Eubank question, obviously, I would have got that because I'm from the UK, and Chris Eubank's such a personality whereas if you're not from here then that might not have stuck out yeah i agree i think and i think christian's knowledge of the contents of each album is second to none but i got him on the fluff um and there's different super fans of different interests you know we've spoken to people that you know like christian are are deeply into the actual songs and the music and don't really care about the, the fluff around it um and there's other super fans that just kind of absorb the private lives of their of their idols and you know, every step that they take and you know there's different mm. levels of fandom isn't there yeah, definitely um, yeah i guess it's, it's it's interesting to be a super fan of a band that that weren't together when you discovered them yeah and you know he's he might not ever see them live sorry christian <laughs> i hope i hope he does yeah <laughs> that would be amazing for him you know, but that's that that's that's a real testament to his his fandom, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So Christian, after that conversation, he felt a bit bad because there was, you know, in our conversation, there was one person he he forgot to to mention anything about. So he he followed up with with this a couple of days later. Hey, Chris, Matt, super fan cast listeners. During the interview I had with Chris, I carelessly made no mention of Eddie Watkins, the original drummer for the bands and. I don't think an episode about Polvo should be complete without acknowledging his contribution. So in this message, I, I want to give a gigantic amount of respect to Eddie, who very unfortunately left us in 2016, but will continue to be remembered um, through the recordings. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank look, you. Every, every episode, we forget someone in the band, don't we? Yeah, we there's, do. There's always one member of the band that that doesn't make enough noise and so we we forget to mention them so you don't feel too bad christian <laughs> um but thank you for suggesting a band that's really cool and yeah. i hope more people do yeah i hope so yeah please please get in touch and, and and tell us who you want us to uh want us to look into and we'd love to get on the phone to you and uh and pick your brains you can uh or you can email us uh on superfancast.outlook.com uh, with any recommendations or you know even if you just want to say hi we'd, we'd happily just say hi yeah 
Um, you can support the show. We're we're racking up a tidy amount of additional material that we can um, that will only release to, to Patreons. So please show support, and we'll make it worth your while. So you can subscribe to us. So well, I mean, before even going to Patreon, please subscribe to us on any podcast player that you use. Um, so that you get our, our episodes in your feed. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to support the show and, and, and get some additional material from us, then find us on patreon.com slash superfancast and you can throw a couple of quid our way each month. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, very active on Twitter, superfancast, just, just search for superfancast and you'll find us, uh, and also on Facebook. Uh, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, we've now got our music reviews up on superfancast.blogspot.com and we're going to be i mean currently we're getting a review out once a week for a new release to get people interested in some yeah some more obscure music or, or at least not what's necessarily getting the airplay that's one way of putting it yeah <laughs> how would you put it <laughs> just just like you know the weird um corners of of music you know yeah. that you, you just don't really expect yeah to hear from you know yeah. and it's it's you know, it's it's always surprising. You know, like a like a Celtic uh, heavy metal band or a Japanese prog slash traditional Japanese sounds sounding band um, with sci-fi stories. You know, mm. um, or what was it like a like a Halloween? What was the Halloween one that you did? Yeah, so we had um, uh, Queen Herbie. So it was a it was a Halloween themed rap album. Yeah, yeah. So all really wacky and weird and yeah, we've had some pretty you know, eclectic. Eclectic Different. <laughs> it's just yeah. so much music out there, you know. Like every every week, when you when you're looking at the new releases, you you skip past the Ed Sheerans and Adele's, and and you can find it's just so much, so much music. I will say, you know, when I'm when I'm f- flicking through new releases every week, there are just so many sort of uh, soft ambient female singer songwriters. Mm. That seems to be a really saturated market at the moment. Not criticizing, I'm just saying there's a lot of it. Mm. And K-pop. <laughs> yeah, K-pop. Yeah, what's the deal with that? I mean, now that they, now they've done a, a duet with a Coldplay of they or Yeah, BTS. I mean, look at the Billboard charts. There's three BTS songs in the top 10 at the moment. Absolutely mad. It is. Mad. Yeah, and I still haven't heard anything by BTS. So, I I need to Need to listen to them. I I have listened to a few songs. Have you heard uh, the Coldplay one? Uh, I mean, this sounds horrible, but I, I started hearing it and then I turned it over because I don't like Coldplay. At of course, all. you don't like Coldplay. We've got we've got taste in music. <laughs> yeah, so sorry, BTS. But they, you know, they're very good dancers. I've got to say, I've seen them dance, but I haven't heard their music because I've seen <laughs> got... there's, you know, there's a few videos that pop up on my phone and oh, because. Are they doing? They're doing a song with uh, Megan The Stallion as well, aren't they? Yeah. So I think I've seen a video of them and Megan The Stallion. I could be wrong on that, but mm. they got nice hair as well. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, there you go. Those are the channels. Should you want to reach us, thank you for joining us for this episode, and we look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks for the next deep dive, which is going to be Dinosaur Junior. So I've got lots of listening to do over the next two weeks. Stay safe, everybody. Keep rocking. See you next time. Bye-bye.